Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. Um, we're a podcast that's dedicated to equipping and encouraging parents as well as children's workers and even pastors to disciple the children that God has put under their influence. And we're trying to further the conversation about how the things that we believe, that's our theology, affects how we parent and how we minister. Now, as always, I'm joined by Pastor Anthony Trussoni. Or Pastor Tony, you can call me either one, the family pastor at Westminster Baptist Church in Westminster, Maryland. So I'm glad to uh, be with you again today, Ben. How are you doing today? Uh, doing well, and I'm Ben Palaz, and I'm family and children's discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, Tony's coming to us uh, remotely today. He's on a trip, and so he's having to come from a hotel room. He's, uh, he's podcasting on top of the Book of Mormon. <laughs> so yes, put it to good use. So, uh, exactly. Yeah, finding one good use for that. So. <laughs> but uh, maybe we'll go on and talk about the great benefits for family ministry in Book of Mormon. <laughs> I, I don't really think so, though. You can have a really big family if you go, you know, really, really traditional there. <laughs> You can, yeah. You know, I have a lot to say about marriage is you can be with uh, sometimes many, many wives if based on your reading a Book of Mormon. <laughs> uh, you're not in Utah, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not in Utah. So. Okay. <laughs> so not able to have that opportunity. Uh, well, it, it's good to be back, Tony. Now, today we have got a really important topic, one that just fills songs and movies and people's imaginations and their desires. Um, and we want to talk about love. And that's, that's just a big I think throughout human history, it's been a, a big deal in different ways, and I think our culture is no different. Probably it's on steroids, um, distortions of love and, and misconceptions of it, but um, we want to, to drill down on that and think about teaching our kids about love. Um, is it more than just, baby, don't hurt me? So first off, Tony, why is love such a big deal, and uh, why is it in, in all these songs and stories, and uh, why are so many people looking for it? That's a good question. You know, I, I think this is a really lovely idea that you had here uh, to talk about love around Valentine's Day. Hey, I thought it was appropriate. I don't know. It just struck me. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons why uh, the, that people are really looking for it, really obsessed with love today. Um, I think love seems to bring meaning to life. You know, it seems to, for many, it seems to be what life is all about. Uh, I also think that I think there's a perception among society, and there has been for a really, really long time, that being loved equals being happy. To be happy is to be loved. And I think that's probably even gone on overdrive in our society today. So I think of a, um, uh, an idea of self-esteem that's taught some in our culture uh, that teaches children about understanding who they are and, and how they behave well. And it's a, it is called a cup analogy. And so it says that uh, if you basically children are like cups and they can only pour into others as it's been poured into them. So the, it's only possible for them to to really be functional and healthy if they've been loved by and treated well by the right number of people. So I think that shows the idolatry and and why people look so much for love today. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you hear you know, the greatest commandment and the second greatest love God with all your heart, uh, all your being love your neighbor as yourself. And so some people say, well, first, you know, to love 
your neighbor is yourself, you've got to love yourself. And so you really need to take time to do that. Yeah. And I think obviously people can have um, messed up ideas about themselves, but you know, even I think C.S. Lewis said, or no, no, this is way back. I think it was Pascal. Even the person that kills himself is in a way he's seeking happiness, his own happiness and, you know, loving himself in a way uh, because he's trying to escape from pain and that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, I don't think Jesus was teaching us to love ourselves more. No, um, no, he was not. But, you know, I mean, we were made for love with God and other humans and we're hardwired for it, I guess you could say. Um, and it is an ultimately good thing. And it existed before creation. Um, you yeah. know, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They were perfectly happy, loving one another. You know, and our, our culture tends to emphasize romantic love, I think, uh, especially if you listen to our music and, and, you know, listen to the cultural stories and movies and that kind of stuff, TV. But, um, but that's even a good thing, too. But, you know, we're longing for these ideals. And, you know, like you said, there is a shade of hint of truth to those things. Yeah. If someone is not loved, it does affect them. Um, they've got a lot of things they've got to work through in order to, to really know how to love. Um, but they are still called to do that as, as an image bearer of God. So, you know, maybe if you're not properly loved, that uh, there was some good could come out of it. You could ask an existential question of what is love and, and uh, ask baby not to hurt me. So come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well so you know taking taking a step back from why it's such a big deal what is love i mean because we have all these ideas about it and songs and, and you know um uh, what, what is it you know in answer to your question what is love which is an amazing, important question. I think John Piper, uh, the pa- former pastor, retired pastor, answered that really, really well. He said, love is not a delight in what a person is, but a deeply felt commitment to helping him to be what he ought to be. So uh, some have said, I know that love is kind of an active verb, uh, then not mainly a feeling. So I think in our culture, we talk about love like it's just a kind of ooey-gooey feeling. Have you kind of gotten that impression? Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I think love is actually what we do, how we treat others. Uh, it is an action, acting verb. Um, I think love is not something that just comes and goes. You know, Love is not something that somebody falls in and out of. Love is something that abides. Love is something that is others-serving and is willing to endure and persevere and serve others, even when things are hard. Yeah, yeah, I th- that was a really good definition from Piper, because um, it's it's not simply the action, but you know, there's this deeply felt commitment. You know, there's it's I guess love is completed when it's it's your your delight to do whatever it is in service of the other person, seeking to help them be what what God made them to be, um, <clears throat> and that kind of thing. Now, I think John Piper said that originally in a uh, sermon. So, you know, I'm sure that uh, there was much more uh, groaning and and emotion into uh, his original statement. (laughs) It's possible. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I think that 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 was a really helpful definition. And, you know, Scripture tells us, now this is kind of reversing it, love is not God, but God is love. Um, He's so defined by it. And, but yeah, that, that... God loves out of who he is. Um, It's so 
you know, so to the core of who he is. And again, it, it was uh, before creation, God was loving, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit were loving each, each other. And so that's, you know, we were just thinking about how to teach kids what love is. You know, we, we've, um, on our, I think when we first got going here, we, we were talking about, um, when we first started the podcast, we talked one time about how if we're not teaching, actively teaching our kids from God's Word, the culture itself is, it, the, the culture catechizes them. And so, you know, they're drinking in this this idea of love, and we have to correct it from what Scripture says, what God defines and declares love to be. So yeah. um, that's why I think it's an important conversation that we have, and we, you know, we're teaching them. So Definitely. with that said, are there different kinds of love, different expressions of love? That, uh, yeah, that's a great question. The Bible actually, uh, in Greek, there's a variety of different words that are translated love, and, and to some degree or another they mean love, and some have categorized that as there's four kinds of love. I think in some ways it's an oversimplification, but maybe there's some truth to that. So, so uh, Greek word eros means erotic love, more or less. It means kind of the love that is seen in romantic movies uh, in uh, lovey-dovey things on Valentine's Day. Uh, phileo is uh, brotherly love. You know, think of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Um, and you know, it's the bro- it's really the kind of love that a soldier has with one another uh, on the battlefield, willing to sacrifice themselves for one another. Uh, then I think of a sto- Then there's a storge, uh, which storge kind of is de- is debated on what kind of love that is. But I see that as kind of obligatory love, the love that somebody has uh, for their uh, those that they're naturally close to. That you know, the uh, I love you, ma. That, uh, as a good Italian boy would say, uh, I love you, Ma, but that kind of obligatory love. Uh, and then agape is the last, and agape is the kind of love that God has. Uh, the, so sometimes it's called God's love, but I think a better understanding of that is true love and a giving kind of love, a serving love that puts others above oneself. Yeah, and it's, you don't want to absolutize any no. of those because there are places in Scripture where it's you know it says that the Father... Um, and the son's love, it uses agape and the uh, yeah. philos, phileo. Um, but then also there's a place where it says the in the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that um, uh, Amnon, David's son, you know, he desires his half-sister Tamar, and it says he loved her, and it was agape, um, yeah. but then he raped her. And so, you know, people want to just put all their, hang everything on there. And so it's, you know, I think you said it's kind of oversimplifying yeah. things if you do that. But and the Bible's uh, written but by certainly, different people, you know, and uh, use different language. And some, so some people, maybe there's more truth to what I said, and for other authors, probably less. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to, how are people using words and stuff? So um, it's not just a dictionary definition kind of thing. But clearly everybody would see that love takes expression in different ways yeah. and different kinds of relationships. Um so, you know, our, our love will move us and require us to act and, and think in, in different ways toward mm-hmm. different people. So how can we teach kids about that within our home? Just knowing, okay, love is not what the, all of what the culture says it is. There's a shred of truth there, but what um, if we're taking on a more, you know, what God says love is and what he declares it to be, how can we help our kids see what that looks like, what it is, and what it's not? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, the one of the most popular Bible uh, chapters that you can find, Bible Gateway has even tracked it to be one of the most popular, is 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, typically people read that and uh, preparation for a wedding. 
but I think it's not just for weddings. I think that First Corinthians 13 is a great chapter for family talking about family worship and teaching our kids what love is. As I think it provides a very biblical and healthy understanding of love. Um, I think, you know, to show we teach kids about love and what it means at home through showing that love is way more than just the lovey-dovey. In fact, you know, even when we discipline our children, explain that uh, it comes from love, that we discipline you because we love you, that, uh, you know, the Bible talks about the, that uh, he who to he spares the rod spoils the child, and in some ways it could be translated, he who uh, spares the rod hates his child, but to uh, discipline is to love our child, and I think that helps them to understand what true love is. Uh, I think also, you know, the... Uh, I think for the parent to model sacrificing enjoyment to love others is another incredible way to teach about love at home. Uh, so I think, for example, I know of a, at a church that we were previously part of, I was previously part of, I saw a father and son, a son that was probably, I think, seven years old. He went with his dad to help somebody move, a brother in Christ move, and to serve. And rather than having a fun time, you know, going to the park or going to the zoo, they served others together. And I think that showed that seven-year-old child what love really is. That's good. Yeah, I, I like that what you're talking about in terms of your discipline. We love you enough to do this. Um, I know... Uh, I can't remember her last name, but uh, the lady that wrote Don't Make Me Count to Three, it's um, Ginger, I can't remember the last name, but we should try to, maybe we should get her on, but um, she, one of the phrases that she uses, you know, we love you enough to teach you that you can't disobey. At least I think it was, I read that. Sorry if some other author got, got wrongly attributed that, but just just telling them in that, that simple of terms, especially if they're young, um, but also just, I think, framing other teaching and correction and instruction you know when you did this to your sister you were not loving her when you were selfish um you know or as they get a little bit older you can ask were you loving your sister you know when you smacked her um you know when you when you demanded to be first was that loving and and getting them to see that their behavior starts in their heart and they act out of who they are what they desire and, and it helps them see what they love most um you know, and love isn't just letting people do whatever yeah. those people think will make them happy. Love says no sometimes. And so, I mean, there's just a lot of ways. It's a, a long-term project. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, similar to what you're talking about. You know, you can explain just like when you hit your sister not loving her. When you demand uh, that mom and dad watch Caillou or Daniel Tiger with, with uh, <laughs> you, they're not, they're not loving yeah. mom and dad. Um, yeah, I mean that's there's just so much I think you can trace it back to love in the what you talk about with your kids and what motivates them, um, you know, and then the source behind their behavior. Um, so how about in the church? How can we t- be teaching kids about love and, and showing them what love looks like? Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think it's a good question. I think this is what we need to embrace teaching systematic theology to do this. I think to teach about God's love. Uh, so one uh, you've talked about, I think at your church, you guys are starting to use Praise Factory in some context, a uh, curriculum that was mm-hmm. created at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. And it's designed, from what I understand, it really teach systematic theology and talk a lot about God's love. And uh, I think that's a fantastic way to teach in a systematic way that shows God's love through all of Scripture. Uh, I think another really great resource that churches can use is uh, there's a book on kind of teaching systematic theology to young kids called Everything a Child Should Know About God. And it really defines God's love and what love is in that. 
I think this could uh, I think this is something we need to teach at a young age even you know and our in our church uh, our baby nursery that we have a little lesson at you know we don't expect them to interact at <laughs> babies but we want to teach them just kind of a basic truth repeating something to them about God's basic character and so we make sure to teach even our babies that God loves you that uh, God God loves everyone and I think that to instill in that in a young age is something that might seem little but has huge ramifications uh, in terms of how we relate to our kids mm, that's good just yeah I mean they're picking up it. They're just soaking things up like a sponge at that age. And so they can't fully understand that. Or even maybe they give them a little piece of it, but they're hearing about God and they're hearing about love connected together. And so, I mean, what better way to, to start things? You know, and like, like I mentioned earlier, the the culture is always catechizing, teaching our kids. And that's from a J.I. Packer and Gary Parrott in this book, Grounded in the Gospel, talk about that. And so if we're not doing that in the church, if we're not actively teaching them and instructing them from God's word, they are being taught and instructed from somewhere yeah. else. And so it's not a healthy um, way. You know, we have no, no, and in a way that idolizes love and distorts it. Um, and so, you know, we talked recently with David and Sally Michael, and, and they were talking about some incident when their children were young and disciplining them and the the daughter said you know this is good for me mommy loves me she'll give me what I need or something like that and I think you know and this is something that needs to happen at home too but seeing that sometimes God in love will do things that are painful um that that do bring pain into our lives because he loves us and he knows that we need it. Um, He loves us enough to teach us not to depend on false gods and false saviors, and he's weaning us off our dependence on them. And so, you know, just teaching them the breadth of who God is. Um, I was listening to something the other day with this uh, guy who's a, he's a pastor and helps lead in worship and that kind of thing. Um, Matt Boswell. And, um, he was talking about, you know, if we just, a lot of contemporary stuff that gets sung is sort of God, God loves us, he's good, and we should go tell people about him. And he said, those are great, and those are things that we should emphasize, but just talking about all of of what God has revealed about himself, and, and so just helping them to see that, um, because we tend to sentimentalize love yeah. in our culture, and even within the church, um, and it's just sort of this sappy, um, and I, you've mentioned it before in some songs, like, you know, God... Um, we must be awesome because Jesus died for us and, and that kind of thing. And it sort of turns things in a different direction than Scripture actually takes mm-hmm. us. So how can we try to help kids avoid confusion about it? You know, just that's kind of going on what I was just talking about. But, the, you know, there's this massive confusion and idolatry of love and the culture around us. I mean, how can we try to fight against that? Yeah, so one, uh, I'm going to respond to that by focusing first on how it impacts especially youth. Uh, for those of youth, uh, especially, but even older, older elementary and things like that, uh, I want to encourage you: don't avoid uh, talking about these. But you know, talk about uh, how the culture teaches about love when you engage with it. So, for example, uh, we I recently watched not long ago, just a few days ago, a movie that came out recently called Battle of the Sexes, about the Battle of the Sexes tennis match. And in that movie. Uh, one, the, uh, one of the main characters, uh, a true real person, Billie Jean King, it depicted how she had an affair and she cheated on her husband because she really lo- because she realized that she loved this other person. And uh, so 
she was essentially following her heart and and validates that as being that she did the right thing and following and loving and following what she really felt in her deep in her heart and i think having after those don't avoid things like that but using those kind of things to have deep conversations with uh, your kids your youth and your children about was this really love? How was she unloving? How did she hurt her husband? And what, how does that compare to the love that God has for us? Uh, you know, I think another way that we can uh, we can avoid confusion is through having a healthy marriage lived out in front of our kids. Uh, a healthy marriage that falls and forgives shows real love. I, I know that uh, some parents try to avoid uh, any appearance that mommy and daddy might not always agree, uh, that might not always get along in front of their kids. But I think for kids to see that, yeah, we do fight. We, sometimes mommy and daddy are mean to each other, and we need to apologize to you kids, and we need to apologize to each other in front of you kids and really restore fellowship and really restore forgiveness as an example of that's what love is. Love is forgiving. Love is sacrificial, and love perseveres. Uh, I think you have to talk about how selfish romantic love is as well, even with young kids. Uh, and I think two areas where especially need to do that is we live in a culture where no-fault divorce is kind of the accepted mantra, and it has been for a long time. Uh, and, you know, where it's that I've fallen out of love, and therefore it's okay for me to get a divorce. I think to teach our kids, you know, to talk to our kids about why people do that and to say, you know, that is not an understanding of love. Love is not something to fall in and out of. Uh, similarly, you know, um, we have in the homosexual, uh, that legalizing homosexual marriage movement, the, there's uh, the attitude, you know, love is love, that uh, love is love. It doesn't matter who it's for or who it's to. But true love is not about a feeling. True love is maybe one kind of a feeling towards any number of things. But uh, true love is sa- sacrificial and uh, considering what others need more than what you want. And I think you, you can point out in that, yeah, maybe this uh, push, maybe this desire to marry someone of the same gender is not really loving at all, even if it does make you kind of feel good and, and you do have that kind of emotional connection. It doesn't really help someone because it's not glorifying God. Those are really helpful points when talking about the media stuff. And you can do that with other things with younger kids, too. Um, because, you know, what they say it's a Disney movie or some kid's movie. Um, and it can portray, like, oh, you know, she married the prince and everything was good. And, uh-huh. like, no, actually, that just brought more problems into her life. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> but, um, you I don't know, know if they just, have magic raccoons and magic, magical uh, uh, rats that might not cause many more problems, though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just that sentimentalizing love. And uh, I think that's you've got to you've got to show that that's not what love is. And, you know, the just talking with them, getting them to think critically about what they're taking in and not just passively receiving it and letting it, you know, teach the lesson about love. Um, So how much should we because we talked you just sort of hinted on this in um, a minute ago. But how much should we teach kids about romantic love? Because that's a lot of what the culture talks about and obsesses over. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? 
we should not run from it, but we need to be very, very careful with it. So, you know, I think one good way to teach about romantic love and one way that uh, is a little uncomfortable doing so, uh, unless your kids are a certain age, maybe teaching about Song of Solomon in the home, you know, teaching through and family worship. If kids are at an age where they can, you know, uh, not uh, not get squeamish of some of the terminology, because I think the Song of Solomon actually is a really, really great book to capture what the biblical idea of romantic love is and, and how romantic love is meant to glorify God and to serve one another and to truly, uh, that, uh, tr- and to truly delight in one another as gifts of, from God. And I think that's a beautiful and healthy thing. Uh, you know, and I think in that we do talk about romantic love because we want to, them to see Jesus. And I think scripture shows us that uh, God created romantic love. He created marriage as a typology, as something that points to something greater. That our marriages, our romance in this world points to the great romance of Christ saving his church, of Christ, the wonderful bridegroom and uh, his church who is the bride and I think talking about that you know and showing that that yes uh, we have an imperfect marriage romance is imperfect but it shows us something beautiful about God and about what Jesus has done for us Uh, you know I think one thing that we do need to be extremely careful about though when we teach our kids relating to romantic love we need to show them that romantic love is not what defines us or makes us whole because I think that's what our culture wants to say you know that uh, we treat people that are single that at certain ages as incomplete and or those that are in relationships and marriages where they don't feel the romantic fill that uh, you know that they're incomplete and therefore they need to rediscover themselves have uh, like an eat uh, that to eat pray love uh, type of moment uh, that's not a good idea to have at all but I think the last thing I will note with this idea of romantic love and teaching our kids we need to be really careful uh, when we pray and we encourage them uh, related to future spouses. I know many Christians pray every night for the future spouse of, uh, of your child, and that's okay. But I think that we, especially around our kids, we need to avoid giving the idea that there's something less to singleness. You know, mm-hmm. it, it might be wise to pray, even in front of your kids, that, you know, if they get married, they marry somebody who glorifies the Lord and they serve the Lord together. Or, But uh, if, they, if uh, God doesn't have it for them to be married, that they delight in the Lord even through their singleness. And they use their singleness as an opportunity to bring even greater glory to God. Yeah, that's that's some helpful tips. And I mean, typically most people are going to get married, um, but not everyone will. And so just, yeah, th- not giving them the idea that the singleness is your diminished person. I think, you know, if they see us satisfied in Christ, that goes a long way, whether it's as parents or as pe- leaders at church. Um, they see that, that Jesus is more important to us than romantic love. Um, that that's They see it lived out. That's going to carry a lot of weight. Well, how can we counter or how should we respond to the ploy sort of if you love me, you'd let me do this, you'd let me have this? Um, or if it's just sort of a way of thinking. Um, it's like, you know, if you really love me, you wouldn't deny me this thing that I want. Ooh, yeah. That's a great question. And I think with that question, this podcast will be something that will be especially, I think, helpful to parents of a youth and junior high age students and even those who are uh, growing up a little younger than that. Uh, because they'll get that for sure. 
You know, the I know of so many youth that have been in church that have been Christian girls or Christian boys that their boyfriend or girlfriend have told them, well, if you really love me, you'll have sex with me. And mm-hmm. uh, and so it's not loving for you to resist that because that's what I want. Uh, but I think it's important to look back at that John Piper quote that I talked about earlier. You know, that really love is not uh, giving what we want, but it's uh, giving what we need, giving others what they need. And uh, what we want, somebody wants and what they need is not always the same thing. And true love is recognizing that. Uh, and I think that this speaks uh, to something that is even beyond parenting. So, and I think it relates somewhat even to the teaching our kids and how they'll pick churches in the future. Um, I know many uh, that are kind of theological liberals that deny a lot of the Bible and want to compromise on some things. Uh, think that compromising on biblical teachings, compromising on what the Bible says about homosexuality or what the Bible says about salvation through Jesus alone is loving to people and that you're not loving if you fail to compromise in that way. But uh, I think this fundamentally misunderstands love and our kids need to grasp that so that they avoid these dangerous theological movements in their future. Yeah, that's in that's zooming out but i think you're right on um you know love doesn't necessarily run around like an errand boy for someone um it's concerned with what's best for them and so you know in the moment i think you should just label it for them that's manipulation you know and um we love you enough to not let you manipulate us we especially (laughs) i mean and even if you've got a you know 15 year old that's saying that or a five-year-old um you know mom and dad know better what you need and this is so this is what we're doing or this is what we're not doing and i mean you know that that's in the moment i think preemptively though you try to teach and demonstrate what love is what it looks like what it doesn't look like um because they need to hear those things when they're not emotionally upset um and so that way when they hear it in the moment it might sink in a little bit more it might get there and go oh okay now they still might be upset with you um it's not gonna just smooth everything out no but just calling their sin sin yeah that the love is not simply just you give me what i want and get out of my way so you know we opened up with the the epic dance club song um and it says what is love baby don't hurt me don't hurt me no more so does love ever cause pain or, or do something to that could be perceived as unpleasant or even hurtful that's a good question. I think it really relates to that song, What is Love? Because uh, I remember the old SNL skit, uh, The Night at the Roxbury, I think is what they called them. <laughs> and uh, I always thought that the little head bob that they did in that uh, skit, the little dance they did to it, looks really painful to me, doesn't it, to you? <laughs> it does. And I ha- I've had neck issues before. It's so uncomfortable. It's just like, eh. <laughs> so uh, uh, the answer to that, uh, I think no and yes. In one sense, no. Uh Love refuses to do that which is in the worst interest of others. So I think in in the sense that uh, hurting others is in doing that which is in their worst interest, I think love does not really hurt other people. It's impossible to love and do that which is in the worst interest of them. Uh, mm-hmm. But in another sense, uh, yes, absolutely. 
Uh, so love does what pleases God and truly helps other people, even when we don't like it. You know, so the uh, somebody that doesn't know uh, some uh, that uh, a loved one that doesn't know Jesus might find it unloving of us to tell them the truth of the gospel. Uh, you know, to tell them that you know that you can't get to God through Hinduism, through you know, through works. Uh, but ultimately, it, and so they might feel that you're hurting them, you know, and you're breaking apart this relationship. But, but yes, you truly are loving if you do that. Um, a new Christian, uh, I think a great example of this, too, is for even for our kids that uh, or, you know, young adults, an example of how this has lived out. If somebody becomes a Christian, you know, say at 20 years old and they're dating a lost person and that person doesn't want to accept the Lord, that uh, the new Christian should be called upon to break off that relationship, the relationship they may have had for many, many years that was very close uh, because, you know, out of love for the person that they're dating, but also love for God uh, and try desire to be faithful for him. And I think with kids, you know, uh, we talked last episode about abuse and child safety. And uh, some people that abuse child, children want to tell me, you got to keep it a secret. And you'll really hurt me. You'll That make my life worse if you tell your mommy and daddy or if you tell a police officer about this. But mm-hmm. uh, the child, a child needs to understand that the loving thing is to do that which is right, even if it does make you know that person's life harder. And the life, that person's life should become harder as a result of their action. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that was a good distinction to make between ultimate harm and just what's unpleasant. Um, you know, I mean, Hebrews 12, 5, and 6, and it's quoting from Proverbs 3, but the Lord disciplines those he loves. Mm. And, you know, the Michaels, and I talked a lot about this, are, are we teaching our kids to suffer? Because they will suffer. They will face hardship in this, this fallen world. And so we've got to prepare them for this because if we're teaching them they can live their best life now, um, and just to expect to coast um, as long as they trust the Lord uh, or they have their quiet time or they go to college or whatever it is, you know, they're going to be really, really disappointed or shattered when the, the suffering comes. And so realizing yeah. that, you know, love can do things that, that we perceive as unpleasant uh, and that genuinely are painful, um, but that ultimately are for our good. Because um, it's like, well, I thought God loved me. Why is he letting this happen? You know, and ultimately God loved his own son in a way we can't even, I mean, we can't understand his love for us, but his love for his son uh, was, you know, before eternity, he loved his son and gave him over for us, you know, to yeah. be slaughtered. And so now, I mean, we're, we're getting into ground that we don't fully, we can't get that. But, um, you know, there is mystery there. But the father loved the son and wanted him to be honored as he is honored. And and so he gave him over so that we see what he's done. And, I, you know, it just kind of is mind-blowing. Well, Tony, what danger is posed to kids if parents and churches just assume what love is? when We, we just throw the word out there and we don't instruct them much in um, what love really is. Yeah. So I'm going to echo what you talked about earlier in response to this, uh, and I think really talked well of. I, I think, like you said, that they will be catechized by their culture if we don't. Uh, you know, either we define love for them or the world around them will. You know, and no matter what, the world around them will define love for them. But they need to have some, an answer to that. Uh, you know, they might see 
the message of the God uh, that of love is unloving if we don't do that. So, you know, the most loving thing you talked about is, is God sending Jesus. And uh, I think somebody, um, a church leader who bought into the lie of our culture's understanding of love, said that that amazing act of God's love, he described as cosmic child abuse. Mm. Uh, and shows that idea that God is unloving, basically, and cruel. And so I think if we don't allow the Bible to inform our understanding of love, or we don't allow proper biblical theology to inform our understanding of love, then maybe we're going to think horrible things like the cross is cosmic child abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that runs deep, but yeah, that's good insight. Um, you know, we, we mentioned this before, but just when, that, when the suffering comes, the kids can be overwhelmed in it, whether as a child, teenager, an adult, um, can be tempted to turn from the Lord or just be bitter and angry at him or other people, um, can idolize love and just be the that empty tank, just can never be filled enough with love. And, and you mentioned this earlier, kind of in a different context, but that twisting love to say, well, you know, we're going to affirm what scripture doesn't. Scripture actually says, don't do this, don't be this way. Yeah. And we say, no. So whether it's, you know, um, issues with sexuality. Um, I think in to permissive parenting, you know, if we think, okay, loving is I got to give them everything they want. Um, and I just, I just want my kids to be happy, which that's, I mean, surveys have, sh- I've, I've, I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, a lot of parents that just, they want their kids to be happy, well-adjusted adults. And, uh, you know, we, we can't guarantee that that's going to happen. And I mean, there's a lot, you know, I think God has given us a, a much bigger role in parenting them than making sure that they're happy. And I was actually talking to a dad at our church one time and, uh, he said, he goes, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not concerned with my kid's happiness. Now he was overstating it. He goes, but I can't mm-hmm. control it. So I'm not trying to make sure that it happens. I, you know, I do yeah. love them and I hope that they're happy, but it's beyond my my reach, and so I'm trying to point them to to Christ. And I just thought it was a great answer. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he he got it and understood what his role was. Well, Tony, it's been a good conversation. I know it's it's, it's just good preparing for this, and and hopefully this will be something the Lord will use in the lives of children, families, and churches. Um, mm-hmm. Just further in that conversation about what we believe affects how we live. So um, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please let others know about it, um, both on social media and by word of mouth, because uh, that helps take that conversation and helps get it to more people, uh, helps others think through these things. And even if they don't agree with everything that we're saying, um, just to think about these things and reflect on God's word and then help children to follow him. So we'd love to hear from you too, uh, to get feedback for suggestions for future episodes, um, things that you found helpful, or even things that you didn't think we're so helpful, but you can reach out uh, on Twitter. Tony is at Anthony Tresoni. And I'm at Ben Palaz. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, direct message or just tweet us, you know, tag us in there. So, um, so thanks. That no, was pun intended. Love to hear from you. <laughs> Not that quick. Um, but yeah, we, we would uh, enjoy some of that feedback so thanks for listening and we we hope that this uh podcast has been a blessing to you and your family and your church until next time